trust in you that we can be here today knowing that you love us with an everlasting love. So God, we just commit the remainder of this service to you, God. We need you and just ask that you would just help each one that's here today. Draw us closer to you than ever before because we need you so much. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, what I want you to do is turn to the person next to you and I want you to tell them what your favorite restaurant is. Tell them your favorite restaurant. You had way too much fun doing that. (laughs) My favorite restaurant is this little Mexican place in Pickering called Salito Lindo. They have these chicken enchiladas with spicy Diablo sauce that is just amazing. And their refried beans, mm, it would just, they're so good. It makes my mouth water just thinking about it. Uh, my goal this morning is to for you to leave church hungry and thirsty. And not because I preach so long that it's way past lunch. I want to stimulate your appetite, not for your favorite restaurant or your favorite food, but for more of God. My purpose in making you hungry and thirsty is twofold. Firstly, I want to see us as adults become healthy and whole individuals. And secondly, that will become the God-pleasing models that our youth and our children need. The next generation needs to experience God. Do you believe that? The experiences of God don't come in childproof containers. The same promises that God offers to adults are given to children, but they need to see it modeled in adults' lives. If we want our children, if we want the next generation to be hungry and thirsty for God, then they need to see it in us. We need to be cultivating a divine appetite in ourselves and in the lives of our children. So think about it for a moment and ask yourself, what is it that I hunger for? What do I have a strong desire or appetite for? Is it more money? Is it food? Is it sports or shopping? Is it pleasure? What is it that you crave? Think about that. See, our appetites in themselves are not bad. God gave us our appetites. Appetites are necessary to our physical, emotional, and spiritual survival. When we're hungry, our body craves food. When we're thirsty, our body craves water. Our appetites cause us to seek fulfillment and pleasure. God gave us the appetites that we have. They're natural, but when an appetite that was intended by God to help us survive is not managed correctly, It can result in terrible pain. And what God intends for good can be one of our greatest enemies. And appetites can get out of control and start controlling you. And uncontrolled appetites can lead to pain, poor health, and even addiction. Families can be torn apart and lives can be ruined. I I read that several years ago, park rangers in the Grand Canyon National Park had to kill more than two dozen deer because they became hooked on junk food left behind by visitors in the park. 
Things like potato chips and cheesies and candy. Once they tasted the sugar and the salt, the deer developed an addiction to these uh, foods, and, and that was all that they wanted to eat. And their junk food cravings caused them to lose their natural ability to digest vegetation. As a result, the animals ignored the food that they needed, leaving them in poor health and at the edge of starvation. Now, like those deer, many people in their efforts to satisfy their hunger have become addicted to spiritual junk food. Author and pastor John Piper summed up our problem well with this statement. He said, the weakness of our hunger for God is not because he's unsavory, but because we keep ourselves stuffed with other things. And I believe that that is so true. You know, we'll talk to a friend for hours on the phone, but we don't have time to pray. Or we'll sit for hours in front of the TV and binge watch shows on Netflix, yet it's too much effort to come and sit in church for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. We'll spend hours on Facebook, but we're too tired to pick up the good book. And like the deer, we're filling up on spiritual junk food. It's fast, it's easy, and it's fun, but it's causing our spirits to be sick, and we've lost our appetite for what we really need to make us spiritually strong and healthy. What we need to do is we need to be cultivating a divine appetite in ourselves and in the lives of our children. The book of Psalms is filled with expressions of desire for the Lord. One of my favorites is Psalm 42, 1-2. David says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, David, he was a man who knew what it was like not to just believe in God, but to experience God. He was hungry and thirsty for God. In fact, we were created to hunger and thirst for God and to be filled and fueled by him. But how do we do that? How do we cultivate our divine appetite? How can we increase our hunger and thirst for God and for the things of God? Well, I want us to look at another Psalm of David that I believe will help us answer that question. Psalm 34. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Psalm 34. This is what it says. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from, e from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. 
But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. I want to look at four things that we can learn about hunger and thirst for God from this psalm. The first one is the pursuit. David sought after God. He pursued him. And in any relationship, the pursuit is so important. Uh, I remember when my husband, John, was pursuing me. See, we met in Bible college, or as some people call it, bridal college. Uh, I, was, I was working at the tuck shop at the college at the time just to make a little extra money. And every night, this guy would come and buy popsicles. Sometimes he'd come and buy three and four popsicles in a night. And I thought, either this guy is really hot, or he's trying to find a way to talk to me. Well, I was right. I found out later John was trying to pursue me by coming to the talk shop. The reason he bought the popsicles was because they were the cheapest thing we sold. <laughs> His pursuing paid off, and we've been married for over 33 years now. Um, but in any relationship, the pursuit is important, and the pursuing should never stop. Now, David in this psalm is like a man in the desert in hot pursuit of God. He's hungry and he's thirsty for God. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I like the way the Living Bible puts it. It says, Happy are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. In other words, happy are the people who pursue God. The pursuit is important. But the fact is, Sometimes we don't want to pursue God. We don't feel like pursuing God. So how do we do it? How do we develop the hunger and thirst for God that we need? And that brings me to my second point, the proposal. A proposal is a plan or suggestion put forward for consideration. David here in this psalm proposes a way to increase our appetite for God. He's saying to us for some, from someone who's experienced it, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, one way our appetite is increased is when your senses are stimulated, when you experience something. Have you ever cooked a, a roast in the slow cooker and you come in the door after being at work all day and the smell just hits you? It just smells so good. You're automatically hungry. Or, or maybe you'll see a picture in an ad of food or, an, or on the TV you see a commercial for for a restaurant and your mouth just starts to water when you see it and you start to get hungry. Oh, I guess I got to switch to a different mic. Sorry about that. Is that better? Okay. Were you able to hear me before what I said? Okay, so I don't have to go back and start all over again. Okay, good to know. <laughs> So when you taste something that's absolutely delicious, you want more, right? That's what happens to me when I eat mango. 
When I eat mango, I could just keep eating it and eating it because I just love the taste. Now, David in this psalm, he's appealing to his sense of taste. And in verse 8, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, one of the rules I had to follow when I was growing up was before I refused to eat something, I had to taste it first. And I tasted some strange things growing up in Newfoundland. I tasted rabbit and tur. I tasted moose meat and caribou. I tasted beachy bird eggs. I had to taste partridge and squid and capelin. I tasted fish eggs and cod tongues and cod cheeks. I remember my dad saying to me, Connie, just taste it. You'll see that it's good. Now, some of it was edible. Some of it tasted nasty, and some of it actually tasted pretty good. But yet it's not until you taste something that you know if you want more of it or not. It's through tasting many things that we develop our own appetite for what we like. The psalmist knew what he was talking about when he wrote, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good. God always has been and always will be what's best for us. So I want to encourage you this morning to have a fresh taste of a few things. First, I want you to have a fresh taste of praise and worship. Taste and see that praising and worshiping God is good. Listen to verse 1 again. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You see, it's a choice. We need to choose in delighting and worshiping God. Now, one of the desires that I have for this church is to see the children in this church delight in worshiping God. You know, the reason we have the children stay in the service for a little while before they go down to their class is so that they can share in worship with the adults and have a taste of what worshiping God is like so that they'll desire that for their own lives. But if we worship God only when we feel like it, that teaches our children to do the same. So I plead with you, for the sake of the children, taste and see that worshiping and praising God is good. Say like David, I will bless the Lord at all times. I also want to encourage you to have a fresh taste of prayer and Bible reading. Now, I went through a phase where I loved to collect cookbooks. I have a stack of them at my house, and they contain many recipes, and they would take great if I only took out the books and I, and I cook from them, you know, but they're just sitting there collecting dust. I hardly ever use them. Now, we've got all the recipes for spiritual growth right here in the Bible, but we need to take out our Bible. We need to read it. We need to taste and see how many wonderful truths that we're missing in our lives. If we want to be healthy Christians, there's no substitute for the word and for prayer. There's no shortcuts for those two things. If you want to be healthy and strong spiritually, you can't take a multivitamin. You need the real thing. And every day, God spreads out a buffet before us. So, oh, taste and see that God's word is good and spending time with him is good. And then in verse 9, David instructs us to have a taste of the fear of the Lord. He says, 
Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. And then in verse 11, it's an invitation to come and receive instruction concerning the fear of the Lord. It says, come you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, do you want to know a secret? Psalm 25, 14 tells us that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Now, that tells me that the fear of the Lord is important. It's something that we need to have in our lives, and we need to understand exactly what it is. And God's word clearly defines it in Proverbs eight thirteen, He says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That means having God's attitude towards sin at all times. Now, the more you study the holiness of God, the more you'll understand his extent, the extent of his hatred for sin. Now, I want you to stop for a moment, and when I, I want you to think about something that you absolutely hate, maybe a food that you absolutely hate. For me, some of you might have heard me say this before, but I hate squid. In restaurants, they call it calamari. But when I was a little girl growing up in Newfoundland, I remember in the summer during the squid season, many people would get them and they'd dry them on lines in their yard. And uh, then they would sell them. But, oh, the smell was enough to knock you over. One summer, my dad had all these squid But it rained for two weeks straight. And in order for the squid not to spoil and so that they would dry, he put them in the basement in the house. Enough said, right? Now, every time I see squid, I feel sick to my stomach. I hate the smell. I hate the taste. Is there something you hate like that? You know, that's the way we should feel about sin. Does it make you sick to think of the sin in the world or the sin in your life? You know, if there was a plate of calamari in front of me cooked by the finest chef in the country, I would not be tempted to eat it. But if you put a chicken enchilada with spicy Diablo sauce in front of me, I tell you, I would be tempted. The reason the squid wouldn't tempt me is because I hate it. The reason the the enchilada would tempt me is because I love it. And it's the same way with sin. We're tempted to do certain sins because we love them. We need to go to God and we need to humbly say, I'm constantly tempted to sin because I don't hate it. Help me to have a hate for what I now love. Oh, I need the fear of the Lord in my life. Oh, God, give me a hatred for what I now love. We need to ask ourselves, what is my attitude towards sin? Because we never choose to do what we hate. Another verse that gives us another dimension of the fear of the Lord is Psalm 33, 8 to 9. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The fear of the Lord is also to understand who he is and stand in awe of his ability to take care of us. David He was able to face a lion and a bear and a giant because he feared the Lord. He understood who God was and and what he was like, and it 
It helped him. It took away his fear of those other things. Erwin McManus talks about the fear of the Lord in his book, The Barbarian Way. And I like what he says. He says, we're called to fear only God. There's an important reason for this. What we fear is what we are subject to. Our fears define our master. Where there is no fear, there is no control. When we fear God and only God, we are no longer bound by all the other fears that would hold us captive. The fear of death, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of insignificance, all the fears that hold us by name and haunt us in the night become powerless when we know the fear of the Lord. And if that's not enough, we discover that perfect love casts out all fear. Not even God will hold us or control us by fear. When we fear him, we in essence begin to live a life that we, where we are fearless. And I love that. You know, I'd like to ask you the question that David asked. Do you desire length of days and a good life? The secret is with those who fear him. Oh, taste and see that the fear of the Lord is good. Now, tasting is one way that our appetite is increased. Now, let me tell you something else that increases my appetite. And that's when something goes wrong. When I'm worried or stressed about something, I tend to eat more. (laughs) How about you? When you're in a difficult place in your life, when things are, are not going well, when you're broken and hurting, do you get hungry? Because that's my third point, is the place. Let's read verses 17 and 18 again. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, God is in the broken places of life. Even when we can't see him, he is there. Someone said, God uses broken things, broken seeds to grow, broken soil to grow them in, broken clouds to water them, broken grain to make bread, broken bread to nourish our broken bodies. And I believe God uses brokenness to make us more hungry and thirsty for him. You know, things happen in our lives that are not easy. But many times it's those difficult things that break us and that cause us to cry out to God, to God and to go to him and make us more hungry for him. We need to allow our brokenness to increase our hunger for God. Instead of going for substitutes to satisfy your hunger, Go to God. Let him satisfy you. Let him comfort your soul and ease your pain. Because really, he is the only one who can. You know, when my daughter Leah, when she was just a little girl and she was having a really bad day, there was something she would do that would help her, that would calm her down and always make her feel better. She'd get up into my arms and she'd put her head on my chest and she'd listen to my heartbeat. She would sit there for the longest time and just listen to the sound of my heart. And she would say, ka-thump, 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 ka-thump. And for some reason, that always made her feel better. Now, that's how close I want to be to my Lord. I want to be like my daughter Leah. I want to get up close enough to him to feel the warmth of his embrace and to hear his heartbeat. But that only comes from being broken and honest before God. So are you experiencing a time of brokenness in your life right now? If you are, allow that brokenness. Allow that hard time to cultivate a divine hunger inside of you like you have never experienced before. Go to God.
cry out to him. Now, another thing that increases one's hunger is when you work hard. Now, if you want to get and stay hungry for God, we got to start working hard. We got to take our faith outside of church on Sunday and give it some exercise during the week. Now, it's hard to stay hungry for God when we don't ever attempt anything that makes us feel like we need Him. We have to obligate ourselves. Now, I can tell you the weeks that I have to preach, I pray and I seek God more than the weeks that I don't have to because I recognize my need for him. I know I can't do this without him and without his help and his anointing in my life. So allow the broken places in your life to increase your hunger for God and start working hard for the kingdom. The final thing that I want to look at is the product. A product is something that arises as a consequence of something else. So if we're hungry and thirsty for God, what will happen as a result? Well, one thing that will happen is once we begin a renewed pursuit after God, we're going to begin to see his power and his glory displayed in our lives as never before. I can tell you, the church outside of these walls, the people outside of these walls are not going to come into the church just to see us doing church. They want to see God's glory. They want to see him working among us. But things happen when we begin to pursue hard after God. There's another way God's glory is displayed in us. John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Let me say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You know, when we're satisfied in God, it shows. People are going to notice. You're going to be like a tall, cold glass of water on a hot day in the desert. You're going to make people thirsty. People will desperately want what you have. And in that, God will be glorified. Another thing that happens is that we're going to experience a greater freedom in worship. We see in this psalm, as David's heart is warmed by a new awareness of God's love for him, his lips, his heart, and his hands are freed up to praise and worship him. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And you know, as we spend time with God, as we pursue hard after him, we are also going to respond with a new freedom and praise and worship as never before. And it's going to be a spontaneous kind of worship. And it won't be dependent on who is leading us. It won't matter if you know the song or not. You will just long to worship God. And it's going to be an everyday thing. It's not just going to be Sunday morning in church. We're just going to want to worship God. And the third thing, the third third product of hungering and thirsting for God will be inner satisfaction. Remember all the hungering and thirsting mentioned at the beginning of the psalm, all the dryness and the weariness? Well, apparently the problem was solved for David. In verse 10, he says, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
And likewise, as we begin to draw near to God, he responds by satisfying that inner longing of our souls. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, He satisfies those who are thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. And Psalm 103.5 puts it this way, He fills my life with good things so that I stay young and strong like an eagle. I want to stay young and strong like an eagle. How about you? <laughs> One last blessing of hungering and thirsting for God is freedom from fear. David's enemies are after him. They want to kill him. But notice verses 17 to 22. It says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants, and no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. He delivers them from all their troubles troubles. Now, David's enemies were against him, but he's saying to them, I'm not afraid of you. You try your best, but my God will deliver me. And if you come against me, you're going to be condemned. And you know, when we have that kind of assurance in our lives, we can lie down at night and sleep because we know that God will watch over us and ours. See, there's no safer place to be than in hot pursuit of God. In conclusion, I just want to ask you, are, there, are you tired of going through the motions spiritually? Do you long to experience that inner satisfaction and that peace? Here's the answer. Come hungry and thirsty to God, and he will satisfy that inner longing of your soul. Or maybe you're here or you're online and you're listening and you don't know Jesus, but you too feel this hunger in your heart to know about God. I want you to know that he loves you with an everlasting love. And you were actually created to crave him. And nothing in this world will satisfy that longing, only God. So why don't you ask him to forgive you of your sins today? Confess that you believe he died on the cross for your sins and rose again and invite him into your life today. If you do make that decision, which I pray you do, please let us know so that we can pray for you, so that we can journey with you and we can rejoice with you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back at this time. Uh, when we're physically hungry... Our body sends us signals through hunger pains and cravings. Some of you might be feeling those hunger pains right now. Uh, but if you ignore those signals long enough, they just grow stronger in hopes of pushing us to fulfill that need for food. But if you continue to ignore this appetite for long enough, it is eventually going to begin to fade, and you actually will convince ourselves that we really aren't hungry anymore. And that's how it is with our spiritual appetite for God as well. When we're spiritually hungry, we experience the Holy Spirit giving us hunger pains, reminding us that we need to go to God and feast on the things of God. But if we ignore those cravings long enough, eventually they're going to fade. And we'll convince ourselves that we're doing just fine. But like those deer in the Grand Canyon National Park, we're actually starving our spirits to death. And it can happen so suddenly, but before you know it, prayers become less important. We no longer thirst for God's word, and we begin to convince ourselves, oh, it does no big deal if I miss church. 
Now, don't refuse yourself the nourishment you need to sustain life. The only way to be healthy and to have a healthy appetite that will help you grow is to pull up to the table and eat. My cry is, God, help me cultivate a daily hunger for you and for your word. Help me not to stuff myself with spiritual junk food. Help me to eat right. How about you? Do you want a greater appetite for the things of God? If you do, I want to invite you to pull up a chair to the banquet table this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We've got to eat right, and we've got to do it for ourselves and for the next generation. Before we leave this morning, I just want to invite you to come and join me at the front this morning. And just as a way of saying to God, stepping out and saying, yes, I want to hunger and thirst more for you. I need you, God. I need you in my life. And I recognize that this morning. So if you'd like to join me while we sing, and then I'll come back and close in prayer.